0: You're listening to Ocean Currents, a podcast brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary. This show was originally broadcast on KWMR in Point Reyes Station, California. Thanks for listening. To another edition of Ocean Currents. I'm your host, Jennifer Stock. On this show, we talk with scientists, educators, explorers, policymakers, ocean enthusiasts, adventurers, authors, and more, all uncovering and learning about the mysterious and vital part of our planet, the Blue Ocean. I bring this show to you monthly from NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, one of four national marine sanctuaries in California all working to protect unique and biologically diverse ecosystems. Cordell Bank is just offshore of the KWMR listening radius off the Marin-Sonoma coast and is a thriving ocean metropolis from the seafloor to the surface. We'll be focusing in on what's happening with El Nino in the Pacific right now. We're going to talk a little bit about more of an oceanographic phenomena that's occurring right off the coast here. And on the phone with me... I have Warren Belier with the National Weather Service. Welcome Warren, you're live on the air.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. Pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks for joining me today. Of course. Warren is a acting meteorologist in charge science and operations officer in the San Francisco Bay Area Monterey Forecast Office.
1: Yeah, let me let me just um say a bit about that. So the Forecast Office, the National Weather Service Forecast Office for the greater San Francisco Bay region is physically located down in Monterey, California. So we cover kind of the, the central coast of California, extending from the wine country up in the North Bay down through the heart of the San Francisco Bay Area and then all the way down through the Big Sur Coast and, and east through the hills, not quite to the Central Valley.
0: Thank you. That's good to know, the, the full range there. But you're also tracking something that's coming from way far away from here that's going to affect us, hopefully. And El Nino's been a big part of the vocabulary these days on the West Coast. And I'd like to just kind of go back a little bit. And can you briefly define what El Nino is for folks?
1: Sure. And um, there's... Uh this tendency to refer to El Nino as something that's um, coming towards us, and and that's not really true. It's something that's developing in the region which it exists and will likely continue to exist, which is the equatorial um, swath of the Pacific Ocean. And when an El Nino event occurs, what basically happens is that the the really warm water, which is normally concentrated towards the western side of the equatorial Pacific, kind of migrates um, farther east than it typically is towards the coast of um, South America. And so we, in, the, in the eastern part of, the, of the, this tropical swath of the, of the ocean, we see sur- sea surface temperatures start to rise across broad regions. Tied into that um, is the these these massive areas of of kind of thunderstorm complexes that that form over the tropics, and um, as the as the warm water shifts eastward, so do these vast areas of, of thunderstorms that, to some degree, are being um, produced or facilitated by the warm water underneath, and. As that shifts, it can have an influence on the global atmospheric circulation. And, and that's what, we, what we're actually sort of thinking of when we're talking about the El Nino potentially affecting our weather. Because in the case of these El Nino events becoming strong, there seems to be a tendency for it to affect the large-scale atmospheric flow in certain characteristic ways. One of which is to increase the tendency for low pressure and streams of moisture off the Pacific Ocean, um, bringing in storms and precipitation to the California coast.
0: So can you talk a little bit about the difference between El Nino, which you just talked about its formation and how it, it comes to be, but also this thing we've had in place here this year that's been unfortunately called the blob? So,
1: oh yes, the warm water blob. So, um, for reasons um, which uh, I don't think are entirely understood at present, but but I think but probably have to do with just the the persistence of a of an area of high pressure over the same broad swath of water in the Northeast Pacific Ocean. Um, There hasn't been so much mixing of the water, and temperatures of the ocean surface out out over that area, extending into the California coast, have been unusually warm. So I should be careful about saying warm. Our sea surface temperatures along our coast are uh, much milder than they usually are, but not warm by the standards of the east coast of the Gulf of Mexico.
0: All right. So, does the blob presence influence the effect of El Niño as it so intensifies?
1: Been, yeah. So, there's been some discussion about that. Um, this this sort of blob of warm water has has affected our weather during um, during the summer season, and and I think a lot of us have noticed that with um, unusually mild nights in particular, and those those do reflect the the water temperatures along the coast being um, being much milder than they typically are. But when we start talking about the El Nino event that's developing and going on into the winter season, um, the the sort of scale of that and the amount of energy that's involved, um, it, it at least in in my thinking, it would overwhelm um, by quite a bit this sort of uh, warm water blob. As soon as the winds get going over that area, as they will with the migration of storm systems across it, um, that is likely to be mitigated or even dissipated.
0: Oh, interesting. So last year, there was a lot of prediction and buzz around an El Nino forming, and then it's somewhat petered out a little bit. What was what was going on last year in terms of the conditions and how it dissipated?
1: Yeah, so actually, we never really quite got to even a minimal El Nino event last year. These forecasts are based on um, output from sophisticated computer models of the ocean atmosphere system. Um, they're very complicated, and of course, it's a very complicated physical system in its own right. They're run on on vast supercomputers, and they predict what the state will be like in the future. And and this is essentially the same thing we're doing in day-to-day weather forecasting. We're relying on the output of these forecast models to say, tell us what the state of the atmosphere will be tomorrow or the next day, and then the forecasters in my office interpret that in terms of the forecast that you get and, and... receive and and broadcast over the air, but so when we start to try to do this thing going many months into the future, it gets a lot trickier um and we start running into what's sometimes referred to as the butterfly effect that there are times and places where just the slightest change can end up having a huge impact in in what follows and and over many months there there are a lot of opportunities for that so um yeah, you know, we do the best we can to try to kind of see if we can we can peer through the window into the future and 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 if conditions are such that an El Nino might be developing, but and that and that's what we did last year. The signal wasn't that strong, but it did seem to point in the direction of an El Nino, and then it it ended up not really developing the way these computer models predicted.
0: I see. Are you seeing in the this is such a fascinating science in terms of all these computers and data and how to make these predictions. And it seems right now that everything we know about the ocean and weather and its predictability, predictability is somewhat changing a little bit with a lot of the effects of the changing climate. Does this affect your confidence in weather prediction overall, or is the weather prediction really based on numbers? And, and then you can say, okay, based on these numbers, this is what we're... Like you'd yeah, expect, it's,
1: it's really much more the latter. I, the, uh, climate change um, it doesn't really uh, have an effect on our ability to forecast the weather. Of course, it might influence what that forecast is. Got it. But the basic idea of forecasting the weather is simply starting with whatever the initial conditions are of the atmosphere of the ocean as best as we can define that with all the different things that are out there from weather satellites to instrumented surface stations that collect data and tell us what's going on at present and, and then on, the computers are kind of taking all of that data and taking equations which describe the dynamics and the thermodynamics of the atmosphere and integrating them forward in time to predict the future state of the system.
0: Well, based on what you know at this point, where are we at with the El Nino prediction for this winter in terms of what it might be like and when it might start right. in terms of real changes in weather? So,
1: and and actually, I um, with this interview coming up, I just took a look this morning, and um, so I think one thing to to mention is that the El Nino is there it 's already present, in fact, not only is it already present it 's already really strong so in terms of the the sort of uh, warm water migration towards the eastern side of the equatorial Pacific and sea surface temperatures in that region having gone up significantly that 's already taken place so so for the El Nino to continue into the winter, at this point, it actually needs to do nothing more than simply stay where it is. The development has already occurred. And when we look at the computer models starting from the state of it already being present as it is now, you know what, we have, there are many of these models being, I shouldn't say many, but a dozen or more run by different um institutes around the world each with its own slightly different approach to the mathematics and um... the vast majority of them show that it will either stay at the present strength or actually in fact even get a little bit stronger as we go into the winter there are a couple of outliers and this is where the sort of forecasting gets tricky there are two or three that say, you know what, as we go forward into the latter part of the fall, it'll start to weaken. But um, we're going with the vast majority, and the vast majority say this will be in place into the winter season. So uh, our thinking is that as we get um, further into the fall, the likelihood is that this will play out with, uh, with a wet winter for us.
0: So that's the effects for us here. I've read that there's a difference in um, precipitation expectations for Southern California versus Northern California. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So um, with, uh, with an El Nino, um, the, where the impact seems to be largest in terms of impact by um, departure or increase of the amount of rainfall that's received from now which would be in an average year, that effect seems to be strongest down in Southern California, and then diminishes as you go up the west coast of the United States to probably about even chances by the time you get to Southern Oregon, and actually odds of exactly the reverse up in the Pacific Northwest is somewhat drier than normal winter. We're although we're kind of up the coast, of course, from Southern California, we're not so up so far north of there that we don't sort of fall into the 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 region that that has that effect of of typically increased wintertime uh, precipitation.
0: Interesting. So, being that we are in it right now, and that there's a potential for it to even increase, what type of effects should we be Preparing for, we know we're expecting some pretty heavy rain events, but is it continuous? Is it storm front systems? What other types of things should we be prepared for?
1: Actually, there's something I I I should mention here. Um, Part of our reasoning about how the El Nino is likely to play out has to do with looking at similar, very strong um, previous. El Nino events. But at this point, um, we really only have sufficiently good data records back to about 1950. Before that, there just weren't enough meteorological data and oceanographic data collected around the world to even define exactly what was going on from the standpoint of of the intensity of an El Nino Event or anything along those lines. And since 1950, up to the present time, there have only been three really strong El Nino events until the present one. And they all played out in this direction that we were just talking about uh, very wet winters in Southern California on the dry side in the Pacific Northwest, wetter than normal for us, although not quite to the degree for Southern California. But we only have so many past cases to look back on. If it were 500 years from now, we'd probably have 30 or 40 cases. But at this point, it's only three. And in addition to looking back on what's happened in the past, there is theory that's consistent with the idea of it being a wetter than normal winter. But we don't want to say too much more than that the odds favor that because the there isn't that degree of certainty. Mm-hmm. And then to, for the, sort of the second part of the question, you, if this plays out as we think is likely, what does that really mean in terms of weather and storm systems? Um, you know, what we have seem to have seen in, the, in these previous relatively small number of similarly strong El Nino events, more storm systems than during um, a typical winter. Not necessarily that the storm systems themselves are extraordinarily intense. Just more of them, more days on which it rains. All right. So, But that's not to say you know, that during this upcoming winter, or for that matter, during any winter, and actually if we think back to um, uh, it was either December 11th or December 12th of fall of 2014, despite last winter being quite dry in some, you know, San Francisco got three to five inches of rain in about 24 hours that day, and there were a lot of local flooding problems. So that sort of thing can occur at some point in any winter, whether the winter itself is wet or dry.
0: Right. I remember that storm very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah,
1: shut down the schools in San Francisco.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, it's quite a complicated science, and it's really exciting in the sense that there's so many different data streams that really inform this. And your the work is extremely important to informing the rest of society. We all depend on this weather forecasting for pretty much day-to-day life here on, on planet Earth. So thank you so much for giving us a little bit of an update. Any other pieces you want to share about El Nino and what we might be expecting coming up?
1: No I think we've um we've pretty much covered it um yeah, I guess one other thing that I might mention um uh, that is, hopefully this will all play out as we're anticipating and it is a wetter than normal winter. We get quite a bit more rainfall and and snow at the higher elevations of the Sierra Nevada um than we would during an average winter that would be a dramatic reversal from what we've seen the past four winter seasons now all of which have been dry and have left us in these sort of extraordinary drought conditions and water supply limitation problems that we're presently dealing with but i think i think something important to point out is that even if this does all play out as we're anticipating and it is a really wet winter and the, the snows accumulate in the mountains our drought now is of such a such an extraordinary magnitude that won't entirely get us out of the woods. It'll be a huge help, but it won't get us, in terms of water tables on the, on the land and under the soils and so forth, one winter season is not going to do it, um, even if it's really wet. And I guess the message there is that Conservation of water remains really important, whether this winter turns out to be wet or not.
0: I think it's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. And it's something I've been thinking about, too, in terms of we have to change the messages, you know, amongst all these organizations about water conservation, because it's all been water conservation because of drought. And people just, it's hard to connect. Oh, it's raining. It's raining (laughs) raining
1: coming down and the drought is over, but the water tables and the reservoirs are all so phenomenally low now. It's going to take a lot to get things back to where they were prior to the drought.
0: Well, a little relief will be welcome. and
1: Very welcome, yes.
0: I do hope people continue to remind themselves, their families, to conserve. We all need to adapt in California to just use less water. And there's ways we can go to do that, living with what we have. So, Warren, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely, my pleasure. I wanted to let you know that our community radio station here, KWMR, is getting ready for our fall fundraising drive. And the focus of this drive is... El Nino, because this radio station is an important vital information source for getting information out to the communities. We're in a little bit of a rural area out here, and KWMR is able to serve people even when the power's out in extreme conditions. So folks should keep that in mind as we get towards the pledge drive that we're getting towards winter. And it will hopefully be a little bit wetter than it has been. So thanks again, Warren, for coming on to talk about El Nino. Warren Blyer from the National Weather Service.
1: Thank you, Jennifer.
0: Have a great afternoon. Thanks, you too. So we've just been talking a little bit about the conditions that are setting up for El Nino and a little bit more of a wet winter and with a message to remember we still need to conserve. We're still in a very extreme drought and even though we may have some relief here, both for the land, wildlife and plants, but also for us as humans and the reservoirs and water that we use. So I'm looking forward to that and we'll continue to do our little rain dances on the side. And I just want to let folks know, I'd love to hear from listeners. If you have ideas for topics, questions, comments, please email me, jennifer.stock, S-T-O-C-K, at N-O-A-A Ocean Currents is the first Monday of every month. It's part of the West Marin Matter series, where every Monday at 1, you can tune into KWMR and learn about a topic of environmental focus, either locally or globally. And Ocean Currents has a podcast If you haven't checked it out yet, you can go to iTunes and search for Ocean Currents, or you can come to cordellbank.noaa.gov to get past episodes. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the ocean, bay, or whatever body of water you can get into safely. This has been Ocean Currents here on Community Radio for West Marin KWMR. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Ocean Currents. This show is brought to you by NOAA's Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary on West Marine Community Radio, KWMR. Views expressed by guests on this program may or may not be that of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and are meant to be educational in nature. To contact the show's host, Jennifer Stock, email me at jennifer.stock at noaa.gov. To learn more about Cordell Bank National Marine Sanctuary, go to cordellbank.noaa.gov. Thanks to bensound.com for royalty-free music for the Ocean Currents podcast. For more info, visit www.bensound.com.